For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to The Dirt Show. Um, first, I want to thank everybody who wrote me notes of condolences about the loss of my uncle, Zachy, uh, this, this great man who is 98 years old and who had a real influence on, on my life and my attitudes. We disagreed about everything, but um, we um, argued and discussed and um, I miss him. So thanks for your, for your good wishes. I appreciate it very much. You know, a couple of things happened over the weekend that are significant. Finally, the New York Times published a story, and I'll talk about this tomorrow or the next day, um, uh, telling the truth about what's going on in Gaza. Very, very few civilians are being killed in Gaza. You're being misled. <clears throat> you hear all these um, uh, claims about genocide in Gaza, about so many civilians being killed in Gaza. It turns out that, uh, you know, since the war began, um, <clears throat> the number of civilians uh, being killed has gone down by two-thirds. And even in this last month, gone down by uh, about half. Uh, the actual number of civilians is uh, infinitesimal compared to uh, other wars. I mean, give an example. The Iran-Iraq war, a million civilians uh, killed. A million, a million, hundreds of thousands in other places. And, and so what you have is a few thousand real civilians killed in Gaza, the percentage of um, <clears throat> combatants to the to the civilians, the lowest number, the lowest proportion of civilians in any war. You wouldn't know it if you went to these protesters or watched them on television. You'd think that Israel has killed more civilians than any country in history. The truth is they killed less. So we'll talk about that in, in, in days to come. And then, of course, Harvard did it again. It decided to, you know, be equal. So it appointed two commissions, one to study the non-existent problem of Islamophobia at Harvard. I think there's been one incident where the wife of a faculty member said something about the scarf that Palestinians are wear. That's Islamophobia, and they have a whole commission on that. <clears throat> and they appointed an equal commission to look at um, anti-Semitism at Harvard, which is a rampant uh, problem, uh, even in admissions, the number of Jews admitted has gone down to below the point where it was when there were quota systems. Um, and who does it appoint to be co-chairman of the committee to combat anti-Semitism, a guy who's made statements saying, well, anti-Semitism isn't really not such a serious problem at Harvard. In any event, Israel is, a, is an apartheid uh, country. That's the chairman. <laughs> Only Harvard can be arrogant enough to pick somebody to study anti-Semitism who himself has been accused of making statements that at least border on the anti-Semitic. Oh, so we'll report on those things uh, in days to come, too. But today I want to focus <clears throat> on Donald Trump once again. Um, Donald Trump now only has one opponent for the Republican nomination, Nikki Haley. Uh, by tomorrow at the end of the day, we'll have some better sense of whether Nikki Haley has any kind of a shot. I don't think she's going to come close to winning, um, um, but... Um, will she be picked as his vice president? Um, he says no, she says no, but stranger things have happened. I remember when Linda Johnson 
was picked by John F. Kennedy. They hated each other, but uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson helped him win the South and, and get elected in one of the closest elections in, in history. So it wouldn't surprise me if Trump picked um, Nikki Haley. He couldn't pick Ron DeSantis because he comes from the same state and electors can't vote for uh, president and vice president from the same state. So unless Trump moved back to New York or somewhere else, or unless DeSantis moved out of the state, a little hard because he's the governor, um, it's not going to be DeSantis. Um, my guess <clears throat> is probably it will be Stefanik, um, the congresswoman from New York who made a name for herself by effectively cross-examining the three presidents of the Ivy League universities. She seemed, I mean, she's a, an election denier. Trump loves that. Uh, she's very conservative. Um, she's very smart. Um, and she's a a very effective uh, cross-examiner. So that that's my guess, but who knows? I'm not making a prediction. I'm making a guess. So what I want to talk about today is a very likely event uh, between now and uh, November of this year. Very, very likely that uh, President uh, Trump will be convicted of at least one of the felonies that he is uh, facing. Um, the most serious one, of course, is the one he's maybe least, least likely to be convicted of, and that is um, the Fulton County, Georgia case uh, being prosecuted by Fannie Willis, who's having her own problems, because apparently, at least according to the report, she picked her lover, boyfriend, um, according to divorce claims, adulterous boyfriend, I don't care about any of that, to be the, <laughs> the paid prosecutor in the case and, and, and paid him from state funds over $650,000 when uh, some people think he is not particularly well qualified. That's a lot of money to prepare what <clears throat> Fannie Willis has said is an open and shut slam dunk case. But um, the, the divorce court has now opened up the proceedings. And so we'll know more about that in, in days to come. It's not going to stop that prosecution. Uh, it may disqualify one or both of them from being involved in the prosecution, but the, you know, the, hard to know how it prejudiced Donald Trump to have had that uh, kind of um, relationship between the special prosecutor and the prosecutor. It was so dumb. You know, you have a case where you know the eyes of the world are on top of you. You have to be Caesar's wife, or in this case, Caesar's husband, uh, or, or girlfriend, or whatever you, whatever, whatever analogy you want to use. Uh, you don't be fooling around and picking your boyfriend to be the prosecutor and paying him 600 It just gives so much ammunition to the other side. You can be sure that Donald Trump will take advantage of it in every possible way he can because he understands that these cases are not legal cases. They have legal components, but they're political cases. I wrote all about that in, in my book, uh, uh, Get Trump. In, in my book, Get Trump, I go through all of the cases that are likely to produce convictions here. And uh, in each case, I show what's wrong and why there shouldn't be conviction. The easiest case in the world, of course, is the New York case, uh, which doesn't even rise to the level of a misdemeanor or an offense. It's just a non-existent situation where, I guess, according to the theory, if, if you're paying money to a former porn star to keep her quiet, then you can't be quiet about it. <clears throat> you have to put it on your corporate form. It's the most absurd case. I've seen in, in 60 years of practicing law, he'll probably be convicted because it's New York and 75, 80% of the people on the jury pool 
are likely to be hate hate Trumpers. Um, so that's one possible conviction. We don't know when that trial is going to be. It was originally scheduled for early March, but now it looks like it's going to be postponed. Um, likewise, with the case in Washington, D.C., because there are issues involving immunity that um, will be uh, resolved by the Court of Appeals first and then perhaps the Supreme Court. Um, there's also, of course, the issue of whether he can be taken off the ballot in Colorado uh, or Maine. The main case isn't directly before the court, but the Maine has held up taking him off the ballot pending the Colorado case. So we have that case. And then, uh, of course, we have the Florida case, which is I've called it the smoking cigarette butt. Smoking because the evidence is clear and overwhelming, and he should be. I mean, he, based on the evidence... Um, it, it, it seems like a slam dunk to convict him. The, the only thing he, they have to prove is that he knowingly possessed classified material that he should not have possessed in a private capacity. And there's a videotape of him showing papers and saying to, to unauthorized people, to uh, a journalist and uh, a publisher or whatever, saying, ah, this is classified. Uh, I could have declassified it, but I didn't. Uh, but here it is. It's classified. You know, his only defense is he didn't really show it to them. He just waved it in front of them, but he had it. He possessed it. I call it a smoking cigarette butt because it's not a smoking gun. Uh, it's, a, it's a tiny little case. Um, virtually every major official of the government who had access to classified materials has taken some home with them. Obviously, we know that President Biden did. He behaved very differently. He cooperated fully and turned it over completely, Trump in his usual way did it in a little more contentious manner. But um, if that case goes to trial, there'll be a conviction, but there won't be a jail sentence for that one. If the um, uh, case in Georgia goes to trial and he's convicted of RICO violation, there's a mandatory prison term. Mandatory. The judge has no discretion. Now, the judge could have discretion. Let's assume he's convicted of RICO and also of another crime that doesn't carry with it a mandatory sentence, the judge could throw out the RICO conviction and then sentence him on the other charges to probation. So there are ways in which the judges can manipulate the system, but um, let's assume he's convicted and goes to jail. Remember Eugene V. Debs? Eugene V. Debs uh, was the candidate for president of the United States in 1900, 1904, 1908, 1912, 1916, 1920. Uh, never, never won. One year he got a lot of votes, 6% of all the votes. I think maybe it was 1916. In 1920, he got 3% of the votes, nearly a million votes. The interesting thing about that is he wasn't campaigning in 1920. Why? Because he was in Atlanta Federal Penitentiary behind bars running for president, and he couldn't hold press conferences. Um, people were campaigning for him, and he got nearly a million uh, votes. It was a runaway election. Harding beat Cox overwhelmingly, probably one of the most <clears throat> uh, one-sided elections in history. I think Harding got 60% <clears throat> of the vote, and Cox got like 38% of the vote. Um, you know, really a, a massive landslide. Um, and then, interestingly enough, Harding then uh, commuted the sentence of, uh, of um, the, the socialist defendant, Eugene V. Debs. Remember this, this extremely 
um, um, sensorial um, espionage act was passed by Woodrow Wilson, the Democratic liberal president. He wasn't liberal. He was a racist, but he was liberal on some issues. He was terrible on race. He was terrible on immigration. Um, and um, he, um, he got, he pushed through the Sedition Act, uh, which defines sedition, basically as saying anything critical of the government or saying anything that might persuade somebody not to volunteer for the army. And he made a statement saying that uh, American boys uh, have better things to do than to serve as cannon fodder in a European war, uh, World War I. And for that, he was sentenced to 10 years um, in, in prison. He was offered an opportunity to avoid jail if he simply recanted what he had said about American boys. And he refused. He said, I'm going to jail. I'm not going to recant. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to do anything to make your life easier. He was going to stand up for his principles. He did. And as soon as Harding got elected uh, that Christmas, he commuted his sentence and the sentence of 20 or so other people who had been sentenced under this horrible espionage act. So, you know, people write to me and say, the Democratic Party, it's the party of slavery, the party of oppression, the Republicans are the party of Lincoln. Historically, there's some truth to that. I mean, Woodrow Wilson uh, was one of the worst. Uh, it wasn't a bad president when it came to, he appointed the first Jew to the Supreme Court, Louis Brandeis, over the opposition of many wasps uh, who, who didn't want a Jew on the Supreme Court. You know, you know, like most presidents, he had a mixed a legacy, but he was a racist. He believed in white supremacy without a doubt. He was an overt Southern racist. Uh, he was the president of Princeton University that qualified him to be a racist, uh, or racist qualified him to be the president of Princeton. Princeton was a racist institution at the time, an anti-Semitic institution, an anti-Catholic institution, an anti-Black institution. Um, and, and he was the one who uh, authorized the Palmer AIDS, uh, 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 deporting lots and lots of uh, uh, people who disagreed with the government. Many of them were communists and anarchists, to be sure. Others were just um, protesters, but, but, uh, his, um, and then of course he had a stroke at the end of his presidency and didn't govern in the last year. His wife basically governed. This is before the 25th amendment. So he couldn't be removed. He would have been removed, uh, under the 25th amendment, uh, had it been in existence at the time, but, <clears throat> but it was Harding who was very conservative, you know, an Ohio right wing staunch conservative who commuted the sentence of the socialists. So, you know, uh, whenever you look at history through single-minded lenses, you're going to always come up to the wrong conclusions. I mean, who was conservative and who was liberal? Wilson, you know, Harding, Cox. On every issue, there were differences, and the issues were different then than they are uh, uh, today. And so I suspect when we look back, at our time, uh, those of you who are young enough to have an opportunity 20, 30 years from now to look back at our time, you'll see some of the same uh, complexities. Life is not simply black and white or, or simplistic. Uh, you're always going to see on the one hand, on the other hand, you know, I've told this story before of Harry Truman, who told his attorney general he wanted a lawyer um, who uh, was in an automobile accident and lost the use of one of his arms. Uh, and, and the attorney general said, oh, that's wonderful. You want to help handicapped people. He said, no, I'm just sick and tired of lawyers telling me on the one hand, on the other hand, I want a one-handed lawyer. I tell my clients that story and I tell them, you're not getting a one-handed lawyer with me. 
you're going to get a lawyer who says on the one hand, on the other hand, and then if you want me to help you make a decision, I will make a decisive decision. But um, I believe in complexity and nuance, and I think that's not only the name of the law, that's that's the name of truth and reality. And so um, you, 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 you have the question, what's going to happen to to Donald Trump if he gets convicted. <clears throat> and if he gets to trial, excuse me, I think he will probably be convicted. I don't think he will be acquitted of any of the crimes that he is charged with. There is a possibility in every one of the crimes that he could get a hung jury because he need unanimity uh, for a criminal case. And all he needs is one or two people. Usually if it's one person, it's rare that they actually stay dissenting, often they're swayed. If there's two, the likelihood increases tremendously that they will remain uh, dissenters and not allow for a verdict. So there's a chance that he might get a dissenter, um, a, a holdout um, in any or all of the four cases. I don't think there's any chance realistically that he would get 12 people to vote to acquit him in any of the cases. You never know with the juries, but that's my prediction, that he's not going to get any acquittals. And likely he will get uh, at least one conviction. And so the question is, what if a state were to pass a statute, a new statute, saying um, our electors cannot cast a vote for a convicted felon? Interesting constitutional issue. I don't think the courts would uphold it. I think it has to be consistent with the Constitution, and the Constitution doesn't impose those kinds of criteria for being elected president. It only imposes, you know, age, and where you're born, what kind of a citizen you are, and how long you've lived in the country, and, you know, all the things that are in the Constitution. Um, and obviously, as I said before, uh, Eugene V. Debs ran for president from prison. I don't think anybody raised any objection. By the way, he was convicted of Sedition. <laughs> One of the things that in the 14th Amendment, people are saying, oh, you can't run for president if you've committed sedition. And it never occurred to anybody in 1920, which is a lot closer to uh, the 1860s than we are today. Never occurred to anybody to try to disqualify him the way these Harvard experts uh, are trying to disqualify uh, uh, Donald Trump. But I think the Supreme Court will tell them what what the law is or what the law should be and what the constitution means when the case comes before them, which is fairly soon. It's going to be argued sometime in February. And I think the big issue is whether it's unanimous. I don't know. Today, the Supreme Court once again came down with a five to four decision. This was on whether or not the governor of Texas or the president of the United States gets the last say on whether or not razor wire can be used to prevent uh, illegal immigrants from crossing the Rio Grande and coming to the United States in a five to four decision, the Supreme Court said that it was up to the federal government, the administration, the president, and that the president can overrule the governor. Interesting five to four decision because um, uh, for me, there were a couple of surprising votes. Uh, I was not surprised that the Chief Justice uh, went along with the three liberals on the court, but um, uh, Justice Barrett went along with them too, giving the fifth vote. That was something of a surprise. 
if it was to be a 5-4 vote, I would have thought it was more likely to be Kavanaugh than Barrett, but I'm wrong. It was Barrett. Kavanaugh voted with the four. Uh, took a long time for the case to come down, suggesting that there was a real effort to try to get that fifth vote um, to make the four into a five, but it didn't, it didn't happen. And so um, <clears throat> the Supreme Court has, has rendered that decision. Um, doesn't tell us whether or not the Supreme Court will be unanimous, uh, but more and more as I think about it, it probably won't be. You're probably going to get somebody, Justice Thomas, maybe Justice Alito, or maybe Justice Gorsuch. Um, um, who knows? Uh, who knows what will come down? Who knows? Who knows what the liberals will 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 do? Uh, you know, again, we don't know for sure what the decision would be, and 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 before knowing the decision, we don't know who's going to be the dissenter. My own view is that there will be it'll be an overwhelming vote, um, uh, at least six to three, at most nine to nothing, possibly you know eight to one or seven to two or six to three, uh, saying that the Fourteenth Amendment does not prohibit. Uh, on its own without congressional legislation, uh, a, a person from running for president, um, uh, even if there are claims that he engaged in um, sedition and other 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 actions uh, during during um, the January 6th events. I, I suspect that's the way it's going to come out, but I can't be sure. But I can be sure of one thing. Even if President Trump, former President Trump, goes to jail, which I don't think he will do, or even if he is convicted of a felony, which I think is very, very likely before the election, it probably will not have a major impact on the election. It will solidify his base. He's not going to lose any in his base, but it could have an impact on independent voters. Remember, this is an interesting election. Um, there are going to be a lot of people who are not voting for a candidate. They're just voting against a candidate. Um, as you know, the vast majority of Americans don't want to see Trump run against Biden. They would much prefer to see uh, other people in the running, whether that gives Nikki Haley some legs to run on. I don't know whether it uh, allows for a third party, you know, no labels, no third party really can get elected these days. Uh, back when Eugene V. Debs was running, it was possible there was a third party candidacy just a few years earlier. Uh, the former president of the United States, uh, Roosevelt, uh, ran as a bull moose candidate, as a third party candidate. He got votes. He didn't get enough votes to uh, to to win, may have influenced and may have helped uh, Wilson get elected. Again, historians always disagree about issues like this. To this day, historians disagree about whether Ralph Nader gave the election to George Bush. I think he did, but there are those who say no, uh, Nader votes uh, may have come as well from uh, Bush as from Gore. Um, I don't believe that, but it's possible and, and people disagree. So, you know, we live in interesting times and we'll be following this election. We'll be following the criminal cases March and April. Um, you know, just when we see the big primaries, we have the little primary coming up tomorrow. But when we start seeing Super Tuesday and the big primaries and all of that, it'll be just at about the time when some of these trials will be going on. So it's going to be the first time in the history of the United States that a major candidate has been on trial for felonies carrying possible prison terms. 
while running for president as the candidate of the Republican Party, which I'm sure uh, Trump will be. Okay, let's turn to some letters. This is a long one. I'll try to shorten it. How can you say the Democrats are better at civil liberties? That's absurd. The Democrats are the party of censorship, arbitrary executive mandates, DEI, uh, and I agree with all that. I think we're seeing it on both sides. But remember, the Republicans trying to ban books, uh, trying to prevent uh, um, women from having uh, from choosing abortion. Um, there's wrong on both sides. Um, on balance, I think that the Democratic platform and and President Biden is more of a civil libertarian than the Republicans are. But again, I've said this before. If today's Republican Party were like the British Conservative Party or like Rockefeller Republicans or Eisenhower Republicans, I might very well be a Republican. But uh, the Republican Party today um, is not a party uh, of libertarians. I wish it were. If it were, they could have my vote. We'll continue to fight about this because I know a lot of my letter writers just fundamentally disagree. <clears throat> Would someone remind me, was Alan against the violent BLM riots? I hope so. Uh, and the answer is yes. I was very much against it. I called for prosecution. Um, I believe in demonstrations, but I don't believe in allowing demonstrations to become violent. And the BLM um, demonstrations were violent. The demonstrations against Israel today in many cities are violent. Uh, so was some elements of the demonstration of, of January 6th, but others were, were not. As you know, I'm representing one of the young men who engaged in nonviolent protests on January 6th. <clears throat> I actually find it refreshing to hear Dershowitz talking about something other than his hero worship of Trump. Dershowitz is a psychopath thief to Trump is bottomless. You know, about half my letters attack me for not supporting Trump and for not being a, you know, a psycho, a psychophant with Trump uh, and not having hero worship. And here you have some idiot, uh, Rob V, uh, saying that Trump's my hero and that uh, he can't believe Dershowitz's, I can't pronounce this word, psychophancy to Trump is bottomless. A jerk. As you know, I'm, I'm not a supporter of Trump. I'm a supporter of his constitutional rights. I think he did some good things when he was president, and but I don't uh, agree with his principles and his policies on many issues. And so, no false charge. I must admit that I've heard your name since the 1960s and always assumed you are a mindless liberal. After watching your show for many months, I've come to a much different opinion. I find you objectively balanced and logical a person with whom I could find a common ground. I'm a Southern conservative that resides in the middle within my circle. I'm the Andethal to anyone on the left. I wanted you to know I have cultivated a strong respect for you and your ethical views. Thank you, Matt Wilson. Well, that's my goal. My hope is to make you understand that my views are nuanced. I don't fit comfortably into any of these uh, uh, categories. Uh, it was good to see Germany's position on South Africa's motion. Look, every country should have joined Germany's position. Uh, where are the other countries? Uh, obviously, Israel didn't commit genocide. You don't commit genocide by reducing the number of civilians that are killed. Israel has now reduced the number to an infinitesimal amount compared to uh, other kinds of uh, urban warfare of this kind. 
And every country in the world should join Germany's position, but um, I'm thankful that Germany did. Keep in mind, Alan, just as radical students in Iran who hated the United States and Israel helped take over that country, the same is happening in the United States in the future with radical students who also hate the United States and Israel, and these radical students will overwhelmingly become members of the Democratic Party. I think you're right. And that's why I'm working so hard to try to prevent that from happening and fighting back uh, at, at every at every turn. Um, okay, one more question. Uh, we should remember that there was an American Nazi party before World War II. Not only that, it marched down my street here. I live in, you know, uh, upper Upper East Side of New York, and that's what was the stronghold in the Nazi party, what was called Germantown, New York Avenue, places like that. Uh, there are even a few videos of their meetings. I've seen them. Uh, not only did we survive their pathetic efforts to disrupt us and even let them continue their activities after the war, not so much. Um, we should remember that unfortunate history. So many philosophical and legal lessons to consider, which you are much better able to describe. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an important point to remember. We've had communists, we've had fascists. We never had them in the kind of strength that European countries had them. In Europe in the 1930s, you had to pick either a communist or a fascist, there was very little in between. We always had a kind of more centrist, liberal, conservative view through Franklin Delano Roosevelt and, and other people. So let's continue our discussion and uh, uh, see you all tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.